0: Chapter 1 and 2 regarding the Holy Spirit. Turn to Acts chapter 1, reading from verse 1, and I'll be jumping around. Verse 1 to verse 8 verse. In my former book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and to teach until the day he was taken up to heaven, after giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen. But in a few days, you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So when they met together, they asked him, Lord, are you coming at this time? Are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to, to Israel? He said to them, It is not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea, and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Jumping to Acts chapter 2 verse 1. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly, a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each one of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Jump to verse 14. Then Peter stood up with the eleven, raised his voice and addressed the crowd. Fellow Jews and all of you who live in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you. Listen carefully to what I say. These men are not drunk, as you suppose. It's only nine in the morning. No, this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions, and your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days, and they will prophesy. I will show you wonders in the heavens above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and billows of smoke. The sun will be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of the great and glorious day of the Lord. And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. As Christians, we have this source of power that Jesus promised and Jesus gave the disciples and he gave the church on the day of Pentecost. But this source of power, the Holy Spirit, well, some people say that, yeah, when I believe the Holy Spirit is in me, hallelujah, forever and, ever, uh, forever and ever, I'm okay. But then the scripture teaches us that this same Holy Spirit can be blasphemed, can be quenched, can be grieved, can be insulted. So what does that mean? What does that mean? And scripture tells us to be continual, continually filled with the Holy Spirit. What it means is that our flesh, our sinful nature is still in a battle with being controlled either by the holy spirit or by the sinful nature of our flesh so that's why we need to be continually filled jesus taught us to pray thy will be done god your will be done on earth as it is in heaven and that is a prayer that is asking god to fulfill his will in our lives but sometimes we don't we want our own will to be fulfilled in our own lives. And we want to control ourselves by our sinful nature. And to that, God could well say, yes, your will be done. Your sinful will be done. So there is this battle in our spirit, whether we surrender control to the Holy Spirit or we take it on ourselves and we control ourselves by the sinful uh, spirit. 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 9 says, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness, and therefore I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses, so that Christ's power may rest on me. But sometimes we are so full of ourselves, we cannot be full of the Spirit and His power, and yet full of ourselves, that is, our pride, and our sinful nature. In order for Christ's power to dwell in us, as I read in 2 Corinthians 12:9, uh, we need to surrender control. We need Holy Spirit power to indwell us. How does that work? And I've asked um, someone to share with us today not live because uh, she is in Batam together with our ladies. And that's Rebecca Wu. Uh, Rebecca is uh, serving full-time in, uh, in China. And uh, a very dear member uh, that we are supporting. I, and she's raised in America like Jim Sembala, which you will hear from later on. But she is totally local to me. Because as I was chatting with her... Just last week, she used words like jialat. Jia so I've been thinking, how to translate jialat? Any ideas? All I can think of is oh dear, oh dear. Jia Lat is like oh dear. But if you have a better translation, well, the literal translation is eat strength, I think. <laughs> eat strength. I don't know how else to translate that. But she uses words like jialat. And, and uh, she told me that, I think it was last Sunday, that she watched our boys to men a Singapore movie one and two in one sitting that's like I don't know four hours <laughs> of watching uh, all the local patois the local language and I am so glad to to have her share with us about one instance in her life where the, the the Holy Spirit was a power source it uh, brought her from weakness to strength okay let's just watch this I'm pastor, going to share uh, one
1: of my experiences Um, since the theme for this week is Holy Spirit being our power source. Um, Last year, I was pretty severely in burnout. Um, Lots of reasons. Um, One of which that I had been given quite a bit more responsibility, and I did not properly compensate by taking more time to rest and replenish myself for all that I was giving out. Um, Now I was raised very much in a legalistic environment and uh, had a very strong sense of justice and um, a very high value for reaping what you sow. In fact, it frustrated me a lot growing up because I would see people make choices and rather than having to face the consequences of their choices, other people would come and rescue them. And then they never learned anything. And so I was always very frustrated by seeing things like that. Um, so at this point, I, when I burn out, there was a part of me that just, you know, well, I'm reaping what I sowed, right? Like I got myself into this situation because I didn't rest properly. Now I am in burnout. And what that meant was literally, I would wake up in the morning tired. Um, I maybe could do one thing. Uh, outside an errand, and then I'd have to come home and take a nap. Um, I would have some lunch, and then I would take another nap. And then I might go out and meet someone for an hour. Um, all of you know how much I love to talk. <laughs> Literally, I could only have to speak to someone and have a conversation for one hour, and then max out, and I would have to go home and rest again. So, um, obviously, this was not fun for me. <laughs> Um, and it meant that I had to miss out on a lot of things. Um, The people back in the U.S. were clamoring for me to go back home and have interventions, need some counseling. Um, It was about May, and my scheduled leave was not until August, so basically, all I could do was shut down everything that was not essential. Um, Only go to the meetings that I had to go to, only do um, the things that were necessary, and everything else just cut. And even so, it didn't matter how much I slept, how much I rested, Um, I just wasn't getting better. I just continued to be tired um, and weary day after day. Um, My daily schedule was like sleeping three, four times a day and um, still not enough. So one day, one of the things that I had missed out on was that some friends of mine had started an exploratory Bible study using oral storytelling methods with a group of Tibetan students. And I was so sad to miss out on that, um, but I knew I couldn't add anything to my schedule. So um, that one day I felt the Lord say, you should go this time. I said, okay. So I went to the ladies meeting and they happened to be talking about the story of the wedding at Cana and the miracle that Jesus did turning the water to wine. And I listened to it with fresh ears because these Tibetan students were just um, talking about the story and how wonderful it was that Jesus saved the groom's face and um, just how humble he was to do such a great miracle and not tell anyone about it, not let anyone know um, so that the day was preserved in and in celebrating the bride and groom and not attention taken away from then. Um, from so the story was fresh in my mind, and two days later I went to worship, and everyone else was singing, and of course I'm still exhausted. So I was lying on the floor, and all of a sudden in the middle of worship, it was instantaneous, but to explain it will take a little bit of time, um, I suddenly realized that I was the groom in the story. I, This groom, right? because of lack of preparation or maybe being too cheap um, didn't have enough wine at his wedding. Now this is a real, um, really humiliating problem because, you know, how much more can you lose faith, you know, to, to run out of wine at a wedding for your guests and to be discovered to be cheap maybe <laughs> or that you didn't plan well enough, whatever it was, like he got himself into that mess. And so the part of me that just agrees with justice and agrees with reaping what you sow is, you know, well, that's really too bad for him. You know, he didn't, he didn't plan well enough. Well, now he's just having the consequences. Um, he deserves the consequences. And yet in that moment, I felt the Lord say, yes, you are the groom, and yes, you did get yourself into this mess, but I'm inviting you to step into Mary's place in this story, you're, you can also ask Jesus for grace. You're free to ask for grace, even though you know that you deserve the situation that you're in. And so what came out of my mouth was, Jesus, I'm out of wine. <laughs> but what happened was that the Holy Spirit actually zapped me with electricity. Um, I was lying on the floor and I was shaking and trembling for about a minute. Um, with the power of the Holy Spirit filling my body. And then I got up and got off the floor. But I was, I was too... Uh, yeah, I didn't want to say anything um, right away. I felt I had been healed, but I didn't want to say anything right away. Um, i give it a few days to, to make sure. So I went through the rest of my day, and the next morning I woke up, and I wasn't exhausted. And I went out and did an errand, and I came home, and I didn't need to take a nap and I had some lunch, and I didn't need to take a nap. (laughs) And so I knew that I had been healed, and it was through the touch of the Holy Spirit as He opened up the Word of God to me and invited me to step in by faith. And I just want to give Him the thanks and the glory for healing me.
0: I hope you're encouraged by this uh, local testimony. Now, can we do the video and uh, let's learn the Holy Spirit of ourselves?
2: skyline of New York City, pretty amazing, right? A thousand points of light representing offices, activity, ideas that are hatched that affect not only New York City, but the entire world. Sophisticated equipment that is used in phenomenal ways. But it's all dependent upon one thing, power. If you take away power, the whole thing shuts down. All the office buildings are useless, and it's as dark as night. I know that because during one of the blackouts I was here looking across and seeing nothing. All that potential was shut down because of a lack of power. That's the way life is too. With all the challenges we face, with mountains that we have to get over, it's impossible to live without power. And that's the great thing about God, he promises power so that we can live and be what he wants us to be. When it comes to God changing people, and the spirit manifesting himself through that person so that others can be blessed and built up, a great example is the remarkable story of Terry Kemp. In
3: 1975, uh, my country went to a war called Communist War, it's known as the killing field, and uh, I, I was maybe... Three, four—I'm not so sure—and um, I went through the war. I quite—I witnessed quite a bit that a young child would not normally witness. Um, I witnessed how they, you know, executed people by making them dig their own grave, and um, and if you get sick, they would just kill you right on the spot. And if baby cried, it would just um, take the baby and. Some occasion, they even split the baby in the half in the front of the mom, or they just take the baby, and you never see them again. I would witness people get crucified. I was, I witnessed, you know, you just dead body everywhere on the street.
2: Someone once said that if you can explain a Christian church, if you can explain it, if it all adds up, then something's wrong because that's not how God intended his people to live. What does that all mean? Well, it goes back to the early church that we read about in the book of Acts, where so much about the Holy Spirit is mentioned. Jesus had risen from the dead, and we read in Acts 1 that he spent time with the apostles off and on for about 40 days. He talked about the kingdom of God, and then he made a um, series of statements to them which gave them direction for their future. They were wondering if it was time for him to restore the kingdom to Israel. They had prophecy chart questions. And he said, it's not for you to know the times and the seasons that the Father has kept in his own hand and mind. That's a good thing for us to remember. Our job on earth as Christians is not to figure out everything about uh, prophetic issues because some of them are really quite difficult to understand. Am I right? But here's what he did say they should focus on. But he said, you wait in Jerusalem and tarry there, for you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And then right after that he says, and you will be witnesses. Not, I want you to be witnesses. He says this, wait... Until you receive power, the power of the Holy Spirit, as he comes upon you and fills you, power will be part of your ministry. And then you will be witnesses, both in Jerusalem and throughout the whole earth. We know in Acts 2, the Spirit came and Peter preached the first sermon. And for the rest of the book of Acts, and we know from church history, the church multiplied and you couldn't explain exactly what was happening. Here was Peter, kind of a failure as a disciple in many ways, now bold and doing amazing things. Then there are men like Philip and Stephen who were really asked to be like deacons, and suddenly they're doing incredible things for God. You have fishermen and tax collectors and political zealots who had no seminary to go to, no formal training, except their walk with Jesus, and suddenly they're going here, there, and everywhere. And the church is multiplying, the gospel is spreading, and if you analyze it and say, how could this be, there's only one explanation. It's what Jesus promised them at the very beginning, and you will receive power. Now, he told them to wait in Jerusalem, and that's problematic if you really analyze it. Let's think about that for a moment. Here Jesus had risen from the dead and they now knew that their Messiah, their Savior, had not just died on the cross but had risen from the dead. They saw him. And now as he talked with them, they understood the whole meaning of the sacrifice of Christ on the cross, the blood that was shed, which would be for the remission of the sins of all mankind, that Jesus was the fulfillment of the Passover lamb. They now understood the good news of Jesus Christ. They knew the message. They understood the gospel. Now, you would think they would immediately go and rent a stadium or go door to door or do something with this message. People were dying, as they do every day, in Judea and Samaria and Galilee and then in other parts of the world. But Jesus oddly tells them, don't go anywhere. You know the message, but you're not ready yet. Wait in Jerusalem until you are endued with power from on high, a supernatural power, something from heaven, something beyond their capacities, something beyond their IQ, something beyond their talent. Well, they waited, and we know after waiting in prayer, singing, praising God, in an upper room, suddenly something came from heaven, something from heaven, a sound came sound of a mighty rushing wind thing i want you to focus on and the thing that i think we need to remember is it was something from heaven the power the endowment of gifting that god had for them came from heaven it was supernatural by definition and that's how they went into the world and turned the world upside down for jesus christ that's the golden age of the church everything went upside down by a bunch of people who were not trained Jesus could have picked 12 rabbis to be his followers. They at least would have been great, you know, orators or experts in rhetoric and understood understood the scriptures. But no, he picked fishermen. He picked people who were weak in their natural talent. Why? Because then they would have to depend on the promise that he made to them. He said you'll receive power. You'll never do the job without the power that is needed and that I'm promising for you. Now that's the great need of today. It's as if Jesus was looking down the corridors of time and saying, even though you have the right message, you're gonna face such opposition. You're gonna get into such difficulty and persecution. The enemy, spiritual warfare, is gonna come against you with such an array of weapons. You'll never be what I want you to be without my power. You have my message but you need my power also. Isn't that the greatest need we have today? I mean, as every Christian would honestly look at it or any pastor would analyze our situation, do we need more translations of the Bible? Do we need more praise and worship choruses? Do we need better sound systems in our churches? You know, better choir risers, better lighting. Uh, Do we need to serve more coffee before the service? Is that what the need is? The world is... Lying in darkness, it's getting wickeder every decade. People need the gospel, need to be changed. And a lot of times we're just rearranging the furniture when what we really need is something coming from heaven. That's the great need today as we study the Holy Spirit. Jesus promised power, and the question is, are we living with the blessing of God's power in our lives and in our churches?
3: But then um, I lost my father. Uh, He was very, very sick, and because being sick, he just disappeared. Why is it everything taken away from me? My daddy, my life, my innocence. When is it going to end? And then I was like, you know what? I refuse, as long as I live, I refuse to acknowledge that there is a God. I refuse to submit to such thing as God. And I'm going to find my way to live, and I'm going to live. From that moment on, I remember the the hatred and the anger, hatred toward men. I hate my father for for leaving me behind. I hate my stepfather. I hate my mom. I I, I mean, I hate life. I hate my life, period. And um, so I live like that. For, for a very long time, and then we had our um, sponsorship to come here to the United States. And then um, I, I wanted to leave home, but I don't know how. So I find myself telling myself, you know, the only way that a Cambodian woman allowed to get out of the house was to be married. I found uh, a guy that was willing to marry me, and then uh, uh, a year or two after that, I got pregnant And when I remember lying in a hospital bed and the doctors uh, told me I have a boy, and I I told him no. I didn't have a boy, I have a girl. At that moment, that's when all the cloud and all the darkness come back to me. I can't have a boy because he's gonna grow up, he's gonna rape and abuse somebody, he's going to just hurt somebody. I, I don't wanna have nothing to do with that. I remember taking holding him in my hand, the joy of being a mother, I, I love him, there's a connection but yet I hate him at the same time and yet there, there's something about him that I cannot accept because he's a man and I, I hate myself, not him, but myself for all these things and, and that, that was the end of my life. Every day, but I still have the big beautiful smile, I go to work like everybody else when I'm home. I never touched my children, I was never involved with my family. I was just in a dark corner thinking, what can I do to end my life? I never said a word to my, my husband and but then I do anything and everything just so that I can 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 die. But I'm still alive, I don't know why. And so I tell myself, okay, maybe pill is not um gonna kill me. How about disease? By this time eight was well known in this country, so I, I wanted to to die by disease, so I become unfaithful, very, and then I would just just unfaithful to my husband, and the, in the process of being unfaithful, I got pregnant with, with those men, and I commit nine abortions, and still I did not catch any disease, so I become more and more angry. Now I don't know what I'm angry with. So I hated myself. I never look at myself in the mirror. I just, I just hated myself so much.
2: Jesus made the promise of power for the disciples. That word in the Greek is dunamis. We get our word dynamite from that. It means ability and might and efficiency, not coming from our human abilities and talents, but something that God is working through his people. Now, when the church is not operating with um, a flow of that power, the energy of the Holy Spirit, things can really get barren quickly. And as we study church history, we see that there were high periods of God blessing the church, and then things gradually subsided. The, The power and presence of the Holy Spirit was almost non-existent, and then what would happen? There would be faithful souls, sincere people who would say, I can't take this any longer. I'm sick and tired of being sick and tired spiritually. Our children are turning away from God. We're giving them proper training, but there's no impact in their lives. Our services are dull and predictable. There's, there's, They're prayerless. People aren't hungering after the word of God. What we need is a revival. For those of you who are not too familiar with that term, there's a wonderful history of spiritual revivals going back over all the centuries of the Christian church. And what is a revival? It's when people get so tired of what is, and as they read the word of God and see what he promised, they say, no, God has something better for us. Oh, God, rend the heavens and come down. We humble ourselves. We confess our sins. The the things that have uh, obstructed your flow of power in our lives and grace. God, come and and move among us. We humble ourselves, we submit ourselves to your will. We want to see your name glorified on the earth and it's not being glorified. And this is not what you plan for my local church or my life or my family. And it's a fact that that kind of praying, that kind of humbling confession of sin has preceded every spiritual awakening. The Great Awakening, the Second Great Awakening in the country of America, the the prayer revival uh, that happened started right here in New York City, the Great Welsh revival where that happened in Wales, where great preachers from London would travel and go to see what God was doing in the churches of Wales, you couldn't get in the buildings. And some of them, as famous as they were, had to stand out in the vestibule as people were singing and praising God and praying, and folks were getting saved. Why? Something had come from heaven. God had revived his church, and now wonderful things were happening through the power of the Holy Spirit.
3: And so I, I was just at the lowest point, and I was working in a factory. I was managing a factory with a, uh, a family from Mexico. They were Christian. And I separated from my husband, and they move in with me as my roommate. I walk into the kitchen. There's a mother, a daughter, and a son. They live together. And they say, where were you? I said, oh, out somewhere. And I said, what about you? Where were you? They said, oh, we went to church. And she said, you know, Terry, why don't you come to church with us? Inside of me, I was laughing, and I, I just said, uh, thank you, but no. So I went to the sink, cleaned my hand, and I remember a voice that sounded just like mine said, yeah, you know what, I think I might come. And in my head, I was like, Terry, shut up. What did you just say? And I went. And I remember when I was I went there, I was so nervous and shaken, and I was like, oh my gosh. I was like, Jesus? I'm not here to seek you. I'm not here because I wanted to convert. But all these crazy people seem to think that you are God. And if you are, you show me who you are. And then I remember Wednesday night, it was the same scenario as the Sunday pass. I asked them, Oh, that Wednesday I said, you know what, I want to go to church with you guys again. They said, I can't go to church on Sunday. And I said, okay, then you give me direction, I'll go by myself. And again, I was like, oh my goodness, I got the biggest mouth in the world. There's like two people fighting within me.
2: I'd like to read a verse to you which seems like it's from another era, another's universe. And yet it's from God's word for us today. Uh, 1 Corinthians 12, verse 7 says, Now to each one is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. Now to each one in the church, not the pastors only, not the leadership, not those paid staff, but to each member of the body of Christ, as Paul was writing to the church at Corinth, To everyone is given the manifestation of the Spirit. What does that mean? That means the Spirit is living inside, inside of every believer, and he wants to manifest himself and glorify Christ and help somebody either grow up as a Christian or maybe find Christ as their Savior. To each person, we're to be expecting some manifestation of the Holy Spirit for the common good, not fanaticism, not wild excesses that we so often see linked to the name of the Holy Spirit but no, something practical to build up the church but how? Through the manifestation of the Holy Spirit since the church is a spiritual organism, it can only be built up by spiritual manifestation and gifting it's not by might nor by power, the Old Testament tells us, but it's by my spirit, saith the Lord And I ask you, how many churches, how many Christians, how many of us are are believing God? Now, you live inside of me, Holy Spirit. Manifest yourself through me so that I can bless people in a way that I can never do in my own strength.
3: But I remember, have the address in my hand, laying down on Saturday. I won't go. I won't go. I was in a train Sunday morning, two hours going to church, a Spanish church that I don't understand, by myself, I don't know why. I remember this time, something's telling me, go all the way to the front. So I walk all the way to the front, the third row, and something tell me, don't sit on the the edge, leave one seat open. I leave one seat open, I sat down. When the music started, I felt for the first time in my life, broken, empty, unloved. Oh my goodness, the pain. I never felt such pain. And then I look up, a man that dressed in in not in this generation walked toward me and he said, I love you and I have always been here. If you want to cry, you can cry on my shoulder. I was like, whatever. I sat him down and I cried. I mean, I was not crying, I was screaming screaming so loud and everything come out of me I remember and then the service was over tears gone I have now I now I I felt different I have peace I automatic no tears coming down no pain that is within me I just. I I got embarrassed because of the thing that take place I I just kinda leaned back to wipe my tear a little bit and I look back to say thank you no one was there and I got home, I found a family that, that invited me to church uh, at home. I was telling them what happened, and the mother, she just said, oh, it's the Holy Ghost, it's the Holy Ghost. I was like, okay, I don't know what holy is, but I know what ghost is. I, I, I looked at them, I say, oh, my goodness, they have put, they cast a spell on me. and And now, you know, now I don't know what to do. Ran to my room and like never, ever, ever have nothing to do with church again. But every Sunday I'm in church. And every time I, want, I wanted not to go to church, I just hear this voice, I love you. And, and that was it. I could not escape that, that voice said I love you because in all my life, I never knew what love was. I never experienced it, let alone hear somebody verbalize that to me. And so my life changed. My life changed. Now from wanting to die, now I want to live and then um, not just want to live i want to live not for myself but for him and 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 that and it took a while for for the lord to minister to me and to just teach me how to just lay down you know lay all my burden down, my burden down at his feet it's amazing how he had that power to to do new things in you to change you to learn how to love now i i have a love relationship with my um, my son I guess that was the reason why he can work with me because I was absolutely empty of everything. I was just ready to just do something apart from what's going on in my life. But I'm so grateful that it was God. He knew and he kept me through all the time that I tried to kill myself. So he knew that in that moment that, that he, he knew that this is the time that he can work with me. Because I, I remember by that time I was already exhausted of fighting to die, fighting to live. I was exhausted. And when he come in, it was, it was his love. It was, it was just his love. And I'm so thankful that he opened my heart to receive this.
2: You know, there's the false idea going around that everything that's new and everything that brings change is for the good. And that's not true. That's not true logically. And that's not true certainly in the realm of spiritual things. Sometimes when we change, we're moving in the wrong direction. and We're going into novelties and fads that don't have the power and the edification in them That the Bible indicates can only come from the preaching of God's word, lifting up the name of Christ, and honoring the power and presence of the Holy Spirit. And is it not time for all of us to do some soul searching and say, is my life characterized by the power of God being manifested, the Holy Spirit being manifested through my life so that people will know God is not dead, God is alive. And that can only be done by the Holy Spirit. Isn't it time for a lot of our churches and pastors and leaders, starting with myself, to humble ourselves and say, God, you must have something better for us than what we're doing, whatever the tradition is, Baptist, Evangelical, Assembly of God, so-called charismatic and all the rest. God, there's got to be something more. And if we stop and shut down everything and begin to call on God, do you think God's going to turn away from us? Do you think that God is a God that will say, no, you want more of me so my name will be glorified, so more people will know my love and salvation? No, I'm not going to do it for you. That's impossible. No, if we humble ourselves and call upon him and admit and confess our, our lack of ability to do the job, the Holy Spirit will come in new waves new rivers of it will flow in our lives and the power of the Holy Spirit will make Jesus real to all kinds of people in the places where we live.
0: Worship team, would you come? Well, you know, we have this, I call it a tradition that yes, when we pray to receive Jesus as our Lord and Saviour that's when the Holy Spirit comes in and, and it's just fine after that everything is okay uh, but that cannot be true in, in our own lives we, we know it we know it and if that were true then there, is, but there would be no such thing as the Holy Spirit being blasphemed or, or insulted or grieved or, or quenched so there is this I would call it an maybe a spiritual emptiness or, or holy discontent because it's a relationship, right? After you say, I do and I love you for better, for worse, for richer, for poorer at a wedding ceremony, there is still that pursuing of that relationship. It doesn't mean that after you get married, you don't have to go on dates anymore, right? You still desire for something deeper. And I think that's the same thing because it's a relationship, it's a person. So there are two things today I'd I just like for us to think about. Uh, we're going to sing a song to help us to, to draw close to God. But two things. One is, if you ever had an experience kind of like what Terry had, just give thanks, you know. Bring it back to memory and give thanks. And, and thank God for His work in your life. And I'm sure all of us will have, maybe not as dramatic as this, but surely in a relationship just as with husband and wife, Maybe it's just that first moment at the wedding or it'll be during the honeymoon or or sometime after that. That closeness with God, that power that you have to do something that you know will glorify God. So that's one. The other one is, can we pray by the power of the Holy Spirit, let me have this, God. Let me have this. I don't know what it is, uh, for you let me have more insight in preaching more understanding of the Bible a better way of communicating it to the church as a pastor perhaps you're a, a marketing manager and you're going to be meeting important clients tomorrow then by the power of the Holy Spirit let me have this what that what thing that will glorify God even as you go about your day to day jobs so the two things give thanks And let's call upon God's power for us to live a holy life uh, before Him. We put up the song as uh, Would You Rise and we sing this together. Let Your Spirit Come. Let Your Spirit
4: come Let Your will be done Let Your presence fall said Presence fall on me right you sent me free you're my liberty and your presence for me
0: let's pray together not we welcome We welcome you, Lord, Holy Spirit, to live live that deep sense of presence in our lives, Lord. Let our relationship be be drawn really, really close to you, even as we pray, Lord. Surely we know that this prayer you cannot not answer, you cannot just ignore. We have some sense what it is like in a human relationship, as in father to son, husband and wife now we have this sense Lord that you heavenly father the bridegroom we call upon you manifest yourself through our lives Lord. show us your power show us your glory enable us to live life with a direct source of power from heaven something that is not natural, something that is supernatural, that is eternal, that is of God. Give us that power to live our lives now as we draw close to you daily. And now I just want to pray in the words of Paul. And I pray that out of God's glorious riches, He may strengthen you with power through His Spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the saints to grasp how wide and how long and high and deep is the love of Christ. And to know that this love surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God, and now to Him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to His power that is at work within us, to Him be glory in the Church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations. Amen.